0: Welcome to Baptist Perspective with Jimmy Barber. Whether you're listening while driving home from work, sitting with a hot cup of coffee, or making dinner, we hope this podcast will be thought-provoking and edifying. Now, here with today's episode is Jimmy Barber. Today we will begin our study of ecclesiastical government by looking at some reasons why this subject has become confused and clouded. It may be wondered what is meant by ecclesiastical government. It is to draw our attention as to how the congregation of God is to be governed. Much discussion has been given regarding this, and one may well find a plethora of writing writings regarding this subject today. We do not intend to discuss in depth in depth all of the different ideas and opinions presented, though we will try to give a simple overview of the major ones before we try to discuss the primary views between the Protestants and the Baptists. (coughs) However, before doing this, one thing should be mentioned. We do not find any such thing as a denomination in the New Testament. The idea of a governmental body ruling over independent congregations is foreign to the Scriptures. Equally, since the New Testament congregation is not anything like the Old Testament under the theonomic rule of the nation of Israel, we must not impose that governmental system on the assembly today. We are under the New Covenant and it is not an extension of the Old Covenant, as discussed in previous podcasts. Therefore, denominational headquarters, with a ruling structure, imposing laws and regulations as to how a congregation is to function, is totally unscriptural. Likewise, under a loose construction of various congregations that are associated together for fellowship purposes, it is unscriptural for a group of ministers or other members to enforce governmental or theological regulations on individual congregations. By this we see that denominationalism, as is generally practiced today is totally unscriptural naturally when a group of congregations are like-minded in doctrine and practice they are often denominated either by themselves or by others by some term or name often the name assigned to an individual congregation will denominate it for example When a congregation incorporates a word like Baptist, Presbyterian, Methodist, or some other word in its name, it is denominated. Even when using a non-generic name such as such-and-such church, it is distinguishing it from all others. That is, it is denominated as not being anything else because the basic definition of the of denominate according to Webster's 1828 dictionary is to name in fact the word itself is of latin origin which means to name the dictionary further defines the word as follows to name to give a name or epithet to as a race of intelligent beings denominated man. Actions are denominated virtuous or vicious according to their character. The reason I am enlarging on the obvious is because some people or congregations will say something like, I am, or we are not, of a denomination. I, or we, don't belong to anything. While I understand what is meant by such statements, the fact that they associate with a certain theological ideology or practice, they have denominated themselves as such. Therefore, we need to be clear when we use the word so that we do not mislead those who do not understand the difference. With this being said, allow me to emphasize again that denominationalism, And denominational hierarchy, as is practiced today among people who profess New Testament Christianity, is unbiblical. Scripturally, there is no highest ecclesiastical authority. Scripturally, the only ecclesiastical authority is the New Testament congregation. I believe a further confusion regarding this subject is the use of the English word church in the New Testament. Webster's 1828 Dictionary gives nine different meanings to this word. For the first and primary definition, it is a house consecrated to the worship of God among Christians. The Lord's house. This seems to be the original meaning of the word. The Greek, to call out or call together, denotes an assembly or collection. But Lord, a term applied by the early Christians to Jesus Christ, and the house in which they worshiped was named from the title. So, church goods, Bona Ecclesiastica, the Lord's Day, was dies Dominica. And that's the quote from Webster. A dictionary of the English language by Joseph E. Worcester, printed in 1864, gives the following Church, which is a noun, this English word comes from the Greek, Greek. Kuriake or Kuriakon Curis is Lord. The Anglo Saxon is Kirk or say or Sir The Dutch Kirk, the German Kirke, Swiss uh, Karaka, Danish Kirke, Scotch Kirk. That's if I pronounce those correctly. The word appears to have been originally derived from the Greek through the Anglo-Saxon. The Gauls on the lower Danube, as stated by Dr. Trench, were first converted to Christianity by Greek missionaries from Constantinople who imparted to them the word kuriake or kuriakon. That's this where this English word church comes from. And the Gauls lent the word to other German tribes, including the Anglo-Saxon. Then uh, Worcester gives a quote from Trench. The passage says Trench, most illustrative of the parentage of the word is from Wallafrid Strabo, around 840, who writes... Thus, and then it gives a Latin quote which I can't read. So that's the end of that. Then the Worcester, uh, then Worcester gives the first definition as a building consecrated to Christian worship and ordinances. Even the 1970 unabridged second edition of the Webster's New twentieth century dictionary of the English language says that this word is Middle English, kirche or Kirchek, Anglo Saxon, Kirki or Kirki, or Sirki, the Latin or the Late Greek Kuriakon, a church, from the Greek Kuriake, and then supply Doma for house, the Lord's house. From Kyriakos, belonging to the Lord, or Master. Kyria, Kyrios, Lord. And Master, Kairos, Supreme Authority. Since the English word church, comes from the combination of two Greek words, kurios, lord, and oklos, house, how is it that this word was used as a translation of the Greek word ekklesia? This Greek word, according, that is, ekklesia, according to Thayer, Joseph Henry Thayer's Greek-English lexicon of the New Testament, is defined as, properly, it means a gathering of citizens called out from their homes into some public place or an assembly. And it was so used among the Greeks from Thucydides, 423 B.C., and from Herodotus, 484 to 408 B.C., down, in other words, from Thucydides and Herodotus all the way down to the New Testament times. And it meant an assembly of people convened at the public place of council for the purpose of deliberating, Acts 19.39. Thayer's second definition says in the Septuagint, often equivalent to The Hebrew, Quahal, the assembly of Israelites. And it gives, there gives Judges 21.8 and 1 Corinthians, excuse me, 1 Chronicles 29.1. And then it says, especially when gathered for sacred purpose. And that was Deuteronomy 31.30, Joshua 8.35, and other related passages and then he says in Thayer says in the New Testament, thus in Acts seven thirty eight, Hebrews twelve, and then his third definition, Thayer says any gathering or throng of men assembled by chance or tumultuously Acts nineteen thirty two through forty one. Now that's all a quote from Thayer. Then Thayer goes on in his fourth definition. Uh, uh, gives the general meaning as a fourth point designated as the Christian sense, that is, what's commonly considered today for church. Sadly, many people today supply a meaning to the word derived from the etymology of the word, that is, the word ekklesia comes from ek, meaning out of, Kaleo, meaning to call, and so some say that Ecclesia just simply means to call out. However, Thayer shows that from the time of Thucydides, 423 B.C. and Herodotus, its use and meaning was a gathering of citizens called out from their homes into some public place, an assembly. Additionally, William Tyndall translated the Greek word ekklesia as congregation in every place where it is found in the New Testament. And that was 115 times. How is it that this Greek word, which means an assembly or congregation of people, was translated church? The answer, or at least part of the answer, is found in the rules that King James gave the translators. He would not allow some words to be translated. Alexander McClure, in his book, Translators Revived, uh, gives this regarding rules three and four. Quote, The third rule requires the old ecclesiastical words to be kept such as church instead of congregation. The fourth rule prescribes that where a word has different meanings, that is to be preferred, which has the general sanction of the most ancient fathers regard being had to the propriety of the place and the analogy of faith. As a side note, this is also why the Greek word for baptism was not translated dip or immerse instead of being transliterated so that other views could be inferred as to what constitutes biblical New Testament baptism. But that is another subject. Please do not misunderstand me here because I personally believe that the King James Translation is the best English translation of the Holy Scriptures. However, its influence by retaining the Catholic ideology along these lines has gone a long way in clouding the true meaning and idea of ecclesiastical government as well as other doctrines. In summary, with the Greek word ekklesia, being substituted with the English word church, and so many different meanings are assigned to the word church, especially by the so-called ancient fathers, meaning the Catholics, then it is no wonder that there is a great confusion not only about ecclesiastical worship and practice, but also why there are different ideas and opinions as to how it should be governed. If one would read the word congregation or assembly when he sees the English word church in the New Testament, I believe a majority of the confusion associated with this subject would fade away. As was previously indicated when the word church is used today, Most people do not know what the speaker means by it. Unless the listener knows what the speaker believes, or unless the speaker plainly says what he is talking about, he, that is the listener, is left to his own opinion as to what the speaker means. However, our time is up for today, with this introduction to the subject, it should be better prepare us to clarify what our Lord would have us to understand about how the congregation is to be governed as we study the New Testament. The Lord willing, we will discuss this further in our next podcast. Thank you for listening to today's edition of Baptist Perspective. We archive our episodes so you can go back anytime and listen again. Do you have a question about something you've heard? or just want to let us know you're listening, visit us at baptistperspective.wordpress.com. That's baptistperspective.wordpress.com. Thanks again for listening.